I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Slava. He has diabetes. Let's talk about it. All right, well, um, I'm excited uh, for this because uh, I feel like we're, we're speaking to a guest that would uh, easily fit into uh, my other podcast that I record, Bridey Turn Me On, uh, where we speak to people about relationships and uh, people in the adult entertainment industry and, um, you know, uh, everything, everything sex and relationships. But, um, but we find ourselves sitting with our guest today, Slava Siderman, uh, not to uh, dive, I mean, not to dive too much into that stuff, but I'm sure we, we have some questions. Uh, but Slava, you are uh, an award-winning and Hall of Fame adult and horror filmmaker, two of my favorite types of movies. Those, um, are, your, those are your Hall of Fame genres. That's it. That's it. That's, that's all I dabble in. Uh, very excited to sit down and chat with you today. Um, but uh, before we get into it all, uh, please take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners and uh, give us a little bit of insight into who Slava Siderman is. Uh, so um, I'm, I was born in, uh, in Russia and uh, my family and I came out here in 1979 during the Cold War. Um, I, from the beginning, I was really into art and drawing. And, uh, when I went to my first college, I picked up a video camera. This was back in 1989. And from that point on, I put the pencil down or the markers down and it was all about the, the moving images rather than just drawing. Uh, from that point on, I went to a junior college for two years and, uh, went and got my bachelor's degree in cinematography after that. Worked on a TV show for a couple of years as a, a video utility guy holding a cable. And, and at the same time, with my filmmaking partners, we just kept shooting horror movies. Uh, since 1997, we've been doing horror movies and uh, as a labor of love. Uh, and then one day, uh, porn came calling. Uh, well, <laughs> actually, it didn't come calling. I kind of went that direction. I, uh, I went to a wrestling show that was owned by a porn company owner. And we quickly um, became acquaintances. And then I, be, and I uh, eventually left doing mainstream and started directing an adult. Um, I've directed or co-directed over a dozen horror films, low budget, independent horror films. I've directed over 300 adult films. And um, last year, well, this year I was inducted into the Hall of Fame as a director. Uh, Hell my, yeah. my, my thing is, it's like, I like to put my my creative touch and lighting into the stuff I do. And since I'm a horror guy, that's kind of like where uh, I'd like to go. I, I grew up on watching a Kentucky Fried Movie and Amazon Women on the Moon, things like that. So that 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 kind of influenced me in, in the movies that I, I shoot. Uh, I did a movie called Viking Girls Gone Horny, which you can only imagine, you know, it's just a bunch of Viking girls running around, very 
corny Viking girls, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, there's a, there's my, my, my porn Spielberg moment was I, I had this really big name performer and I called her up one day and I go, oh, okay, I have this Minotaur costume. <laughs> do, do you mind doing a scene with a Minotaur? And she goes, uh, I go, look, this is the final line. When you capture him, you're going to capture him in the forest. And then when you're holding him down in the net, you're going to lean in and you're going to go, I've always wanted to milk one of your kind. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. That was my Spielberg moment. But um, what kind of put me on the map in adult was, um, again, since I'm so into horror movies, I did a movie called Texas. I'm not, I, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, absolutely. And I know exactly okay. what you're going to say, and I cannot wait for it. <laughs> um, I did a movie called Texas Asphalt Massacre, which... Uh, Put me on the map, and it kind yeah. of, uh, I became like, they, they, they called me the horror porn maestro because uh, I did, uh, the final scene is, um, look, the movie Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the final scene is where he's chasing the girl, and he and she gets away in the car, and he's doing his uh, uh, chainsaw dance, where he's like waving it over his head, yeah. things like that. I did the exact same scene, but it was two girls. The girl, the, the girl being chased was naked. The girl chasing her was wearing an apron and nothing else, and she had a three-foot dildo instead of... Um, <laughs> A chainsaw. Instead of the chainsaw. Dude, I yeah, love so. that so much. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like <laughs> probably it's in my top you. three favorite films of all time. And really? the fact that I haven't seen Texas Asshole Massacre makes me so sad, but also so excited that I get to have that experience for the first time. Uh, <laughs> we can sit down and watch it together. Oh, we should. We most we, certainly should. It would be very fun. I um, actually uh, met Sage Stallone uh, years ago at a film festival, and he came up to me and he goes, you're Ivan. Ivan's my director. And he goes, you're Ivan, right? I go, yeah. And he says, my favorite porn movie ever is Texas Asshole Massacre. Yes. Oh, there it is. There it is. Sylvester Stallone's son. That's Love fantastic. Him. I uh, I love that. I mean, you know, it's it's. Uh, I always love getting um, getting an origin story from from anybody and everybody. I think we all, you know, we all have very interesting origin stories. But when you when you get to talk to someone who has an origin story who does work in the adult entertainment industry, it's it's always super fascinating. It's like especially when it seems when you when you said the thing about uh, like you you went to a wrestling. You went to this wrestling thing and it was owned by like, like moments like that yes. where you go, like I went to this thing and it's just like <laughs> kind of this, like this kind of like obscure thing that then like leads you down this like totally, you know, not, not a totally different path. You were involved in film before that, but like, like that it just kind of like, it, it just like tweaks your trajectory off in this, in this direction that ends up being something that you're involved with for years. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because the, the guy who owned that wrestling company and the porn company was Rob Black. He eventually went to prison for obscenity. Um, so obviously his wrestling company stopped, his adult company stopped. Fast forward 20 years later, he just restarted the wrestling company. And I'm involved with the wrestling company once again, um, doing the ringside pictures and backstage pictures. And my fiance, she's a, she's a porn star and she's heavily involved with the promotion where she's a, a valet for the top wrestler, the king of the death match uh, champion. Uh, in the last show, she actually got hit in the head with a light tube and was busted open and was bleeding all over Whoa, the, the ring. Cool. And, yeah. Dude, you are speaking <laughs> Jeremy's language right now. Like truly, truly, <laughs> like, yeah. Horror, porn, and wrestling. wrestling? I, I mean, it's like we have we have wrestling events that happen here in our city uh, every few months. And 
the last time I went, uh, someone got thrown through a door um, in the ring. And it was, uh, I mean, just there's nothing more satisfying than the sound of a human being thrown through a you wooden door. You love it so much. It's so, I it's, love how much you love it. It's the absurdity <laughs> of it. It's the absurdity of right. it is what's so fun. Um, well, you know, that's the thing is like people don't understand how real it is when you're there. Um, mm. Just the impact, uh, especially like for stuff like you, you said, you saw somebody get thrown through a door. It's because they're probably doing some kind of a hardcore or a death match. Yeah. Um, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow I leave for New Jersey because on Saturday there's a show in New Jersey that we're involved with, and for the main event they're going to use probably close to 300 light tubes for the match, oh, wow. which is it's brutal. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So brutal, but so fun. You know, so yes, fun. visually, visually, it's insane. And they make such a nice little pop yeah. sound. So, I, I mean, again, like, like this is. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get too like sidetracked because <laughs> this is so far from like, uh, to like where where our conversations typically go. But it's just a fun little sort of uh, uh, thing to kind of tie this all together. My very first job um, that I ever had uh, was aside from like you know being a newspaper boy. Um, my first job, like where I was, you know, working at a place, getting paid was, uh, was a, a sex shop in my hometown here in Nova Scotia. Uh, it was called excitement video. And one of the, one of the perks of the job, I, I was, I was actually 18 when I got the job, told him I was 19. He had to be 19 to work there. And, uh, one of the perks of the job was our manager, uh, told us that, um, every night we were allowed to take home for free two movies to watch so that we had like a, um, a, you know, a, you could recommend, them. Uh, yeah, an idea of how to recommend films when people come in to rent. And, uh, uh, I mean, I, I, I feel ashamed to say this to you, uh, Slava, but, uh, I would take those, uh, you know, trying to be a little entrepreneur, I would take those DVDs home and I would burn them and then, and then, and then go to, and then go to school the next, the next day and sell them for 10 bucks a pop at school. I made quite a pretty penny. Um, uh, but, like uh, the original porn hub. That's it. Yeah. 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 I was, yeah, I was the porn bootlegger at my school. And, uh, but one of my favorite porn films of all time, uh, it's a very short one, um, was made by uh, Joanna Angel who, who like at the time was one of my favorite porn stars. But the reason why I loved it so much, it was, it was evil head. It was a, it was an evil dead, um, uh, parody and uh, which and is funny because Evil Dead is almost just such a, such a parody. It's a parody of itself, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there was also Repenetrator, which was like a, a parody of Reanimator. And yeah. uh, those ones I I burned and just kept for myself because I was like, these are these are mine. These are very special <laughs> for me. Uh, but but the 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 intersections between horror and porn, like I just I think it's so it's just so fun. Like it's so much fun. So I can only imagine that your work as a director. Um, just, you know, it, those two things combined just leads to such a fun time on set. And, you know, when you have, um, <laughs> when you have the, like the goopy sloppy mess that comes with a, with a horror movie and you combine that with the gloopy sloppy <laughs> mess that comes with a porn. I mean, geez, it's you, so goopy and so sloppy. It's so sloppy and so fun. <laughs> um, but, uh, to the reason why we have you here today, how does this relate to sick boy? Um, Slava, I know that, uh, you and, and your, your fiance, um, Misha have, have kind of had uh, a pretty intense, um, you know, series of years, uh, when it comes to your health, um, you, uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what your sort of like history with health has been and, and sort of what it is that you're dealing with. Um, you know, the interesting thing is with me, I'm such a workaholic that, um, and I think a lot of people who are artists, they put aside their wallet, their health, everything else just to, to concentrate on their craft. And for me, for years, I was very overweight for years. And 
the thing is funny because when you work every day and you shoot every day, even if you're overweight, you're still in shape because you're constantly moving. Um, but from the inside out, you're just rotting, you know, realizing you might be like physically strong, but uh, from the inside out, you're not. And um, I have diabetes. And for years, I've just kind of like pushed it aside. I, you know, I took my medication, but then I still worked long hours, uh, hardly ate, you know, didn't have a proper regimen of eating. And um, it was going, you know, I was moving fine and uh, doing my thing. And once in a while, I would stand up really fast and get lightheaded and wondered why that was. And um, and, uh, and then one day, um, after finishing a couple of movies and editing, uh, shooting my first music video, the next day, um, it was interesting. I'm not even sure what why it happened. It, it could have been a diabetes thing, could have been something else. But uh, for people who have diabetes, they understand the whole thing with the feet. Uh, mm. You have very bad circulation in your feet, and right. this is how you get infections. You step on something, you don't realize it, you, and then uh, it just kind of snowballs from there. That can lead um, to uh, like a needing to have your like f- it, your yeah. foot amputated, right? That's, right? that's that's almost what happened to me. And wow. you know, um, and the one of those things is that you never think you'll be the one because you, you know we're always like, I got this, I got this, I'll be fine. And um, I shot this music video, I co-directed this music video, and the next day I came to the studio to clean up. And I was just, I was just feeling very sick. So I laid down to, to, to rest. I woke up completely drenched in sweat. I ran to the bathroom and I, and I hit my toe on something and busted it open. And usually when something like that would happen with me, I was really good at cleaning my wounds because with diabetes, you get a blister from working out or walking a lot or whatever you may be doing. You just don't feel it until it pops. And then you'll see the blood. I mean, I had, uh, um, I used to do treadmill up to two hours a day and I would get really bad blisters and not realize I had them. So on this occasion, um, I busted my toe open and I, uh, I couldn't even clean up the, the set because I felt so drained and dehydrated. So I'm sweating. So I went home and I started taking care of my, my toe. But at the same time, I was dealing with this illness mm. that I couldn't eat. I couldn't uh, sleep. I was very dehydrated. I was ordering Pedialyte on Amazon and waiting for it to arrive. I actually called one of my friends who had connections to get some antibiotics. So they delivered antibiotics to me with, in a little brown paper bag. Like I'm like, this is not a drug deal. You're delivering antibiotics. To me. Yeah. Technically so, a drug deal, but not technically not a drug deal. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so I took those <laughs> and I thought it was getting better. And then I woke up, I think on the third or fourth day and my foot swelled up so much, the skin popped on top of it. And that's when I freaked oh. out. And um, so I thought I could take care of it. I, I went and cleaned it out and put bandages on it. The next morning, I woke up and the leg was swollen up to the knee and I couldn't move move it. Um, mm. I went to the bathroom. I couldn't even get off the toilet seat. I was uh, I sat there for a while. And then and I got very emotional about it because, um, you know, when, when you – think you you've got it and then you're in a, in a situation where you know you know you don't have it and you've lost all control <laughs> yeah. of pretty much everything luckily i live next door to my parents so what i did was i was very suicidal and i've never been really suicidal except for that moment because i'm just like the pain is too much and and it's embarrassing it really is because you're going look what you did to yourself you have this great portfolio of horror movies adult movies you know great reputation and 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 what like you know you're going to die or get your leg cut off. That's it's none of that's worth it. Mm. So I called my mom and I was crying and I, uh, I apologized to her 
And uh, and she goes, what are you apologizing for? And she, I could hear her through the wall on the other side crying and screaming. So I told her, well, I need to go to the hospital. And um, I, my foot was so swollen and my leg, I couldn't put a shoe on. So I walked to the back door where my mom was waiting for me outside already. And uh, she goes, put your shoes on. Then she looked down at my foot and she goes, do not put your shoe on. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, took me to the hospital. And uh, I sat in the emergency room probably two to three hours. And my, my foot was leaking all over the floor. And oh, um, my mom, was. well, I have pictures and videos of the entire, entire process because my mom said she's going to take pictures to prove to me and to show me what kind of idiot I was. <laughs> and I started recording everything as well so I could share, uh, you know, with, with the world what I'm going through and why and how stupid I was to let it get this far. <laughs> so I woke up in ICU with a bunch of cables inside me and um, they said my kidneys are giving out. Um, oh my God. I was on dialysis. It was pretty bad. My A1C was through the roof. Um, and I'm not sure if me getting sick, it was right before COVID as well. It was too, uh, late 2019. So then I started thinking of maybe it was like I was one of the first cases of COVID. I don't know because it was really bad. Uh, or it could have been just timing wise. I hurt my toe and, and I was already on my way out <laughs> in some ways. And uh, it just kind of all snowballed at the same time. And I spent two months in the hospital after that. Nine surgeries wow. in my leg. Two yeah. months. That's a that's yeah. a fucking significant amount of time. I, I mean, like those two months. Why? Why that long? Like, what was the um, ICU? Was I think four or five days? Uh, it was all the surgeries because my first they were debating cutting off my leg at the knee. Um, then they were like, "Well, we could save your leg." So they're like, "Well, we'll probably just cut off your foot." Then it went from, "We'll save your foot." So we might have to c cut off a couple of toes. At that point, I was like, whoa, okay. If you're going to cut the toes off, I want to keep them. I yeah. did my toes. Yeah. I grew them. I killed them. I want them. And they're like, no, you can't have your toes uh, because it's not a sanitary thing. I'm like, then take the skin off of it. I just want the bone. I don't I don't need the flesh, you know. And but that, Because I was also trying to write, write a storyline for my character from movies I do where uh, I, <laughs> I got my toes cut off in, a, you know, in, in a, an accident. Um, but then they eventually was like, well, we're going to make sure that you keep all your limbs and everything else. And, uh, that was why so, they were like, we just don't yeah. want to give this guy any limbs. Like it would have been so much easier. Day one, just cut off the leg. Let me keep the bone and we move on with our day. Save me two months in the hospital. You know, we um, talked to somebody who, uh, we, did, we yeah. talked to somebody who got in a, uh, he got, he got hit by a motorcycle, I believe yes. in Toronto yeah. and, uh, he had to have his leg amputated. I can't remember where from, maybe from the knee down or maybe it no, was above maybe, the knee. It was just, a, just above the knee. Yeah. And then he advocated to, uh, to get the leg returned to him and he got it. It was a huge fight, but he eventually got it. And, uh, and he actually in the process, uh, got linked up with a ta like a, a wicked taxidermy company uh, out of the states, and they took his leg and they stripped it of, of the flesh, and they like they uh, you know polished up the the bone and they mounted it for him, and uh, he now just has this like sick fucking trophy of his leg that he uh, just lives with in his house. Yeah, Super that's nice. so cool. Isn't that gnarly? I know. Oh. I mean, to me, it was like when, when I thought I was going to get my leg cut off, I was telling everybody I'm going to be the best one-legged porn director in the world. <laughs> and then they're like, well, we're going to cut off a toe. And I'm like, I'll be the best nine-toe director in the world. Yeah. And they're like, you really keep all your limbs? I'm like, oh, seriously? 
Yeah. All this. Yeah. Just take um, one. Just take one. Just take the, exactly. just take the least I'll important cut it off. one. I'll do it myself. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, it was, it, it, to me, the two months in the hospital was probably the most positive uh, time for me in a long time because I got to sit there and reflect. I was very positive, um, never really down on myself. Uh, all the nurses and doctors loved me. They said I was the funniest and probably the most positive patient <laughs> they ever had. And I'm mm. like, what else do I have? I'm here. You guys are wiping my ass. You guys are feeding me. <laughs> yeah, I literally yeah. just lay here and and uh, enjoy the you know the television. And you know I have so much responsibilities on my shoulder that at this point I didn't have any mm. except to survive. And you know the the only issue was the pain. You know, but besides that, it was uh, I was like, oh my god, I don't have to go edit. I don't have to go shoot. I don't have to go babysit twenty porn chicks. I I could just lay here and relax and and people come and visit me and. Uh, um, so it was very positive. It was very emotional, especially when they had me on medication because I don't even smoke weed. So for them to throw a bunch of painkillers in my system, I was all over the place. You know, when I was on morphine, the things I was saying, the things I was posting, my friends would text me. They're like, you can't post that. I go, what did I post? And now on Facebook, because you have the memories, mm. Facebook will remind me what I posted three years ago. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I posted that. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I posted my leg all open and just like, just, you know, hanging oh, out there yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't remember most of that stuff. Yeah. And I just remember my friends telling me you cannot post things like that. I'm like, why not? So, yeah. so what was it? Was it, what was it from banging the toe that gave you an infection that started all of it? Or was, or were you, did you, were you sick before that? And then that, and then that, then that happened. I think it was a combi- It was just like weird timing because I think I was already in. I was definitely in bad health, but the toe didn't help. I think it sped up the process of mm. my body shutting down because the infection just took over my body, and I think that's where um, the kidney issues happened. It could have been with, with just really having uh, diabetes that were out of control. But time wise, I also like emotionally. I was I was drained because the night I shot the music video, the night before all this happened, um, I found out that day that that night that that earlier in the day my friend growing up uh did a murder suicide on him and his wife oh my and god so i'm like emotionally like oh my god and then that happened and uh i think it was just combination of all three things um just 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 to just took over on yeah I, I i the toe thing i think you know i couldn't take care of it because i was so sick and i was probably from diabetes uh which led to me not being able to clean the toe properly and Mm-hmm. and take care of it and then, yeah. just, and then then me being stupid me being a guy and going like i got this and yeah you know. yeah the the other i mean one thing that i do know about uh diabetes like with the neuropathy in the feet is that oftentimes when you are experiencing neuropathy you actually you, you actually don't have the feeling that you would typically have so you know for someone who injures their foot um and they are experiencing neuropathy due to diabetes that injury um if you had the feeling in your foot would be more severe, you would notice it more, you would like likely do something about it. Um, whereas if you don't have that feeling and you're not really like aware of what damage has been done, there's a greater chance, a higher chance of you kind of going about your day, whatever, no big deal. And that, that injury, you know, uh, succumbing to, to something much worse than it, than it should have been in the very first place, you know? That that's exact. That's exactly what what it is. Um, it's so interesting because um, you ha- you fe- you have pains from within. You have the nerve pain from inside out, but from outside in, you're very limited on pain. Mm. Um, you know, like you you really don't feel like you know. I'll, I'll have like my fiance will touch my feet, or, and I wouldn't feel it. 
you know, she's like, don't you feel that? I'm like, no, especially the one that almost came off uh, because they, they, they did something to my nerves because of um, my nerve was exposed and they, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what they did. They said, we're going to make, we'll fix that. So I think they either uh, cut the nerve or cauterize it. It is something that I really don't have a lot of feeling whatsoever in that leg, knee down. Um, so it, it is, it is scary. You always have, with diabetes, you always have to look out where you're walking. You always have to keep an eye on your feet. Um, I've known of people stepping on nails and not feeling it. Oh, God, Just walking yeah. around with a bloody foot all day. I, that's happened to me before I was traveling and uh, I had a blister that popped and you feel a little bit of wetness, but you don't realize it until you get to your hotel room. And it, well, at least with me to my hotel room, I took my shoe up and it was just drenched in blood. Um, it's such a crazy, uh, it's such a crazy, uh, it's such a crazy part of, uh, of diabetes that, um, I'm only familiar with because we're, we could, because we do the show and we're exposed to a lot of, of, you know, medical stuff. Um, but something that's like really dangerous, obviously, and is, uh, something that I feel like a lot of people have no idea about. Um, I feel like if you have diabetes, you're probably pretty aware of it, or I hope, I hope people with diabetes are, are aware of it. Um, but I don't feel like it's something that people really know too much about. And it's like, I, I, I mean, of, I mean, I know, I know diabetes cause is, it can have like a pretty wide, uh, spectrum of like how, of like its severity. Like you know, some people manage it really well and some people it like, you know, it just destroys their life. Um, um, in terms of like how they manage their, like their insulin intake and everything. But like the foot thing is, mm. is nuts. Mm-hmm. And it, and, it's uh, foot yeah. and, and your eyes, uh, you could go blind. Um, I've been doing, uh, uh, retinopathy, um, uh, uh, stuff with, uh, with, um, I haven't, I haven't been to him in about six months because it's only take some time off, but basically they shoot needles in your eyeballs because with, uh, with retinopathy, uh, in your eyes, um, there's like little, um, I don't even know what they are, but they're like little balls that need to be. Uh, destroyed with these needles. So uh, oh. I, I used to, I, I had, I think I had like five or six sessions. And the crazy thing is they pop your eye open kind of like a clockwork orange and they stick yeah. these sticks down inside your eyes. Oh. So, and they're like, don't, 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 don't move. Don't. So every time they would do it and leave the room, I would get my cell phone out and take pictures and videos and post them online. And people are like, can you stop doing that? I'm like, you're just looking at it. I'm experiencing it. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, do, do they do they do an, do, Is there any anesthetic, gnarly. or is it just that's straight actually up? the anesthetic? So, <laughs> so first oh thing, numb God. your eyeballs with little drops. Then they put the sticks in to really oh. numb it, and then they do these. Um, it's basically needles because you see it coming towards your eye, and then oh. all of a sudden, when it goes to black, you're like, you know, Holy that they're shit. in your eyes shooting it. Oh my God! Um, and usually, it doesn't hurt until. It, you know, the, the painkillers wear off and then you feel, it literally feels like somebody punched you in the face. Um, um, the last time I went, I don't know if it was completely numb because I was feeling it and I was like squirming in the chair oh and the God. doctor's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Do you feel that? I'm like, yeah, I feel these needles in my eyeball for sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's necessary. And after five sessions, um, he said my eyes were not normal, you know, not back to normal, but they were, they were, there was really good progress on it. Uh, but you, yeah, you get the eyes. I mean, you like, I'll be honest with you. Whenever I would see commercials of people with diabetes talking about their issues, I would turn a channel because it would scare me. Um, <laughs> because you know, it, it's frightening to know that th- like this can happen to you and it is happening to you and you don't mm-hmm. know, know about it. Like the whole foot thing, you know, um, I didn't know I have diabetes until one, like you were just saying, you know, that a lot of people don't even know they have diabetes. Um, but 
one of the big signs is your feet. Uh, I started getting pains on my Achilles, and I thought my Achilles were just getting tight. So I didn't think anything of it. And then one day I was at a friend's house, and he looks down. And he goes, hey, I'm sorry. I'm like, what are you talking about? His puppy was biting the back of my feet, and I didn't feel it. Oh, my God. And, and that's when I knew there was a problem. I'm like, well, how does that? I mean, it was a pit bull puppy, so it wasn't like, you know, tiny little chihuahua. It was, it was a full, you know, strong yeah. jawed animal, mm. and and I didn't feel any of it, and that's uh. when I knew there was an issue. But I still kind of just didn't didn't um, think anything of it. I kept working, and then one day, I was traveling and um, on the job, and my uh, uh, toe that had a really big blister on it popped because I used to do, you know, saying a, a, a treadmill for about hour to two hours a day. So I would get these blisters and one of these blisters popped on my, on my big toe to it popped so bad that my toenail flew off. It was oh. that bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It looked like somebody shot me in the foot. And, um, you got all the stuff that makes me squirm, the eyes, nerves, like toenails. You should see Texas asshole massacre. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. I'm actually looking at a video right now of a, a treatment for for uh, retinopathy. The yeah. like the I, it's <laughs> it, you want to see some like body horror. Holy shit! Well, like it's it it's gnarly. Yeah, I, I can I can play right. it for you here, but like it's <laughs> it's crazy. Like there's oh like God. several sort of injections into the eye like it's i mean eye stuff just makes my ugh. makes my my testes just go up yeah were you like when you when you went in for that for the very first time mm-hmm. were you like were you were you terrified like like were you sca- scared at all or because yeah. like that that would be freaking the fuck out yeah you know the, uh, god especially when you watch a lot of horror movies and you see the eye stuff and it's just so brutal yeah um i i was really really scared until the moment where they numbed my eyes and it was so weird because what they do is they numb your eye and then they do a pressure check, which is uh, this little machine that you don't know what's happening because your eyeballs numb, but they literally push against your eyeball to see what the pressure of your eyeballs are. <sighs> so they're pushing it back into your head and I didn't feel any of it. So that's when I calmed down. I'm like, okay, that should be painful because they're pushing my eyeball back into my mm-hmm. head and I didn't feel anything. So at that, that's when I calmed down a little bit. But when they showed me the pictures, and the little videos before I had it done, it was horrendous. It was frightening because of what you, what you were looking at. Um, but, uh, you know, once you it's one of those things Like once you do it once and you feel the, you know, the pain, you could kind of manage it for the next time because you're mm. you kind of know what to expect. Yeah. Um, except the last one, like I said, the last one, I didn't expect pain to be that bad. Um, but uh, for the most part, you know, like after my hospital stay, Nothing else after that. I'm like, well, at this point, I could probably <laughs> take on anything because they were doing like surgery on my leg in bedside at some point. Yeah, it was um, because they found this, and this is why I stayed so long. They um, they were gonna check me out a few weeks before 
Thanksgiving. And I was laying in bed and my leg was always exposed. It was very open. And the doctor came in and uh, with a nurse, with a uh, nurse practitioner, I think that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. And um, they were looking at my leg and they squeezed right by my knee. And the pain, they came out of it. Mm. And they jumped back and they're like, we found another infection. I was literally ready to go home. I started my uh, physical therapy, learning how to walk again, because I didn't walk for like a month and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, And they go, we need to cut your leg right now. So they literally just picked up a scalpel and started cutting my leg right there while I was in bed to um, to open up the wound to see how bad the infection was. And I guess the infection went to the bone um, and the, all this pus came out that they didn't catch originally or maybe oh it was an infection. Um, and then they look like, look, this is not fair to you. We're going to just set up a um, surgery appointment for the morning. And I wound up staying a couple of more weeks after that. Uh, because it was, uh, they needed to get all that out. They put me on, on steroids. You know, the scariest thing was they were telling me about putting a pick line in. I don't know if anybody. Yeah, I've, had, I've had a number of pick lines over my, over okay, my days. So. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's gnarly. It's real yeah. gnarly. Yeah. The way they explain it, it's so much scarier than once they actually go and do it. Yeah. Cause the way they're describing going, okay, so they're going to take this line. It's going to go into your vein and all the way to your heart through your vein in your arm and, and they go, it's just going to be like a beast thing. I'm like, it doesn't sound like a beast thing. Mm-mm. That sounds very painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like a beast thing. It really was. But I did freak the nurses out as soon as they started. I go, ah, and they jumped. I'm like, I just kidding. Go ahead. Yeah. Does, your, uh, <laughs> does your pick line when you, I know you've had a bunch chair and, um, I've only had, I know that it's not different. I know that it's like, it's next, it's the next level up. I feel like it goes IV pick line port. Yeah. In terms of like, like intensity. Yeah. Um, I've only ever had an IV once, uh, when I got hit and I was in the hospital. Yeah. And I remember being like, when I had the IV at first being like, this is totally fine. doesn't bother me. Barely notice it. Yeah. Um, and then after like five days, yep. maybe yep. I was like, get this thing out of this me. thing is yeah. all I feel yeah. all the time. It is so uncomfortable. And it wasn't even uncomfortable. When I actually stopped and thought about it, it wasn't like, it wasn't painful. Yeah. It was just like, it was almost like it started to itch. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I remember squirming and just like pleading with the nurse yeah. to be like, can I please take this out now? And the reason for uh, for pick lines, I mean, from for, I'm sure there's more than just one reason. There's a couple. I mean, one, one is that it's more of a, di- a direct line to your, you know, your heart and your arteries. So you're getting the fluids that you need put in your body instead of going through your veins, it goes like right into the heart and then your heart pumps it through the body a lot quicker. Um, but the other reason for a pick line is, uh, is length of time, right? So, uh, an IV could be fine, but with an IV, oftentimes the IV needs to be swapped out, changed, changed over new IV every five, six, seven days. Whereas the pick line, once pick line goes in, really it's, it's in there and it can stay in there for quite a long time. Um, uh, and then a port, a port is like directly into the heart and that stays, you like keep a port, you keep a fucking port for years. And that shit's like that, like a port's gnarly. If you've never seen it, it's, it's a, uh, if you see someone with a port, you'll be able to tell because they'll have this, like, it looks like there's a, almost like a, like, 
like an extra, like they're growing like an extra appendage out of their chest. And it's like, it's like early forms of this appendage. So it's like, it's this big like hump that comes out of the chest and the port is under the skin. So, so they install the port, the skin grows over the port. And then, you know, for them to insert a, uh, whatever antibiotic or chemo or whatever they're putting into it, they just poke through the skin and it like attaches to this. It's like the little matrix. mechanical it's like the matrix port. Dude, it's exactly like that. It's just <laughs> like the fucking back of the neck matrix plug in, yeah. except it's in your chest. Um, and uh, that's, yeah, ports are gnarly. I hope I never have to get a port. Um, I mean, pick lines. I, I, I have, I have like severe, severe, like intravenous, uh, like IV phobia. And, and a port's like even, you know, not a port, rather a pick line's even higher phobia than that. Like I, like I don't do well with, with, I was there when you got your pick taken out and it was on one of the only times in our, in our relationship where I was like, this is probably not a time to make a joke. Yeah, yeah it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely was not. Yeah. Uh, oh, fuck. Um, Slava, I, I, you know, your, your experience in the hospital is, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, harrowing and, I know, you know, my, my partner is an ICU nurse and when I talk to her about her work, um, it's, it's like, it's the ICU is hardcore. It's not a place that you want to be in. And I've heard her say a number of times that like the ICU is the last place that you want to see anybody that you love spend time in. Um, oftentimes the ICU is, is bad news. You know, there, if you're in the ICU, things are, shit has hit the fan literally and figuratively. Um, and one thing I'm curious about your experience in, in spending that time in the hospital, you know, uh, two months stay with dealing with things that are, are really heavy, like the idea of losing your entire leg. I know that you were saying that like, it was, it was a, for you, it, it ended up being more of a positive experience than you would have anticipated. But did, did you find yourself contemplating about your own mortality in it throughout that experience? Did, did that come up for you at all? Or is that something that you think about really often anyway? Um, gosh, you know, it, it's so interesting because, um, I've God, it's it, everywhere I've lived has been haunted, whether mm-hmm. people believe in ghosts or not. Mm-hmm. And, um, when I was in the hospital, I had a friend, uh, from film school come to visit me and she, I guess now is a medium. And then she was, she goes to me and I've had a few people tell me this, you know, you have this gift, you should embrace it. Uh, the ghosts are looking for you. They want to talk to you and whatever. And um, when I was in the hospital, I, um, I actually, it was, it was so interesting because I actually had an old man come and stand over me. And, 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 and I woke up and he was just standing there. And the interesting thing is it was a story that somebody told me a couple of days earlier about one of their friends, their dad got killed. He was in a military base with a bat. And this older gentleman came to me in my room and he was holding a bat. It was really, is really weird, but it wasn't scary. Um, what? So I, 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 I yeah, it, it was, it was, it, uh, my place is super haunted and uh, sometimes <laughs> it gets a little, little iffy, but that particular uh, experience was, was really comforting in some ways. I don't know. I don't know if I, why he was there. I could have been just imagining it because of the story I heard a couple of days earlier. Um, but it's so interesting because while I was in the hospital and, you know, and people would tell me stories and then you would like go and watch YouTube videos and interviews of people that have had close to death experiences mm. or died. Um, it became one of those things where you're curious and you're not scared, but then you're going, the only, the only issue with 
being that curiosity and wanting to see what it's like is you can't take it back. Yeah. Because um, I think it becomes like when you're on your deathbed, it's FOMO. Really is. It's yeah. kind of one of those things like, because you know there's most likely something past this and probably something better, but but are you going to miss everything you have? Do you, because it's an unknown. Are we still going to be attached to these people? Are we still going to see mm-hmm. their lives? Or or we just move on to something else and it becomes this FOMO of like, I don't want to move on because I don't want to miss out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was never something that I was, the only time that it was weird for me was like when I was suicidal that night. Um, but once I got past that, it became, uh, honestly, it was very, um, motivating in the sense where I was like, well, I know I'm going to make it because I'm in the hospital, whether it's with a leg or without a leg. Um, and I, I, it, it was never one of those things that I thought I was going to die. Mm. Um, um, when I was, I thought I was going to lose a leg. That was obviously really, really scary, but motivating because like i said like, i was like i want to be the best one-legged director because i'm yeah, more like yeah, yeah. am i going to be like a pirate or am i going to get one of those <laughs> blades that that marathon runner has you know what yeah, yeah. are thinking about things like that so i think a lot of times you can't look you know that the glass half empty you got to look at it half full what do you still have left mm. um and to me it's, it was always like that so i never got into a position where i was so down on myself or, or worried that I was going to die. I mean, there was the only time that I got really depressed was uh, about a month, a little over a month into it. I was laying in bed. It was, I remember where it was. It was, it was Sunday and my parents would come to visit me every day. And uh, my mom saw that I was kind of like um, emotionally just kind of detached. Mm. Um, so, so they excused my parents excused themselves and they left and I just turned the TV off and I'm literally, it was like, it was right after they found out I had the new infection and, you know, I was, I was ready doing physical therapy. And then all of a sudden, like, so here we go almost to back to step one. So, um, I was kind of getting into that dark depressed mode and I turned the TV off. I turned off the light. And funny thing is my physical therapist name was Angelo. So, um, a nurse walks in and it's pitch black and the nurse goes, Angelo's here. And I go, can you let Angelo know I can't have physical therapy? I have surgery in the morning. And and they go, no, Angela's here. And well, who's Angela? And then I opened my eyes and it was one of the porn girls that I was friends with that was like the queen of bad timing. Always bad timing, <laughs> always. But she walks in with this little plant with uh, flowers and I should, should not. She changed my whole mood mm. from that point forward. Uh, w- whether she knew it or not, it was one. I, I haven't seen her for years. I stopped working with her um, or seeing her, and um, she lightened up my mood. And from that point forward, it was back to um, being positive and uh, not looking at the negatives that I have um, coming my way and, and, mm. and, and the struggles because I had to relearn how to walk because I was in bed for so long. Um, but it was very motivating because also, you know, like I was posting stuff on social media every day. And the messages I got <clears throat> were so positive and thankful because people reached out to me that went through, through similar situations or going through stuff where they feel like there's no hope. Um, <clears throat> basically, it comes down to if you if in the morning you can wake up, it's another day. You've got to just find things that make you happy, make you smile, mm. and have that around because money is not going to uh, um, give you happiness. Two legs is not going to give you happiness. Find mm. something that really is going to give you mm. happiness. And to me, that's what um, I always look forward to. And I always focus down to like I started shooting 
um, inserts for my next movie in bed. And my character was attacked by a ghost. And, uh, you know, I have this leg with a with this open wound. And it was because a demon, sexual demon attacked me. You know, yeah. so I was like, so, and I actually started my podcast in bed because um, yeah. I reached out to a bunch of industry media people. And I said, look, you guys should do an article on me. Not because I want publicity, because this is embarrassing. This is not publicity for me. But I know a lot of people in my situation that go through similar health issues. And in fact, Two years in a row, I had close friends in the industry who passed away from being unhealthy, overweight. Mm-hmm. One had a heart attack. Uh, I'm not sure what the other one, probably the other one died of a heart attack too. Um, but I wanted them to, to cover my story strictly because it's just like, it's like this message of like, take care of your shit. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, it doesn't matter how hard you work and how kind of cool stuff you do. If um, None of it matters if, if you're, if you're healthy yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, and they told me, well, we'll see when you get better, how uh, they will interview. I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I said, fuck it. I'm just going to start my own podcast so I could tell my stories on my own podcast. Um, and that was really the only, the, the main reason I started it because I just wanted to, to share my story. Um, so I was never really uh, worried about, you know, my mortality. I was just kind of really focused about what's going to be next for me to do. Mm. What, how, how did that, um, like what, you, you sort of, it seems like this, this whole experience, like really, um, either like really brought to the forefront, this like positive state of this, this sort of like, uh, positivity mindset and, uh, like gratitude and everything. Like, how did that, what, what, what were some of like the changes that you like made, uh, after this experience, like in your life that sort of like piggybacked off of this experience and some of the revelations that you seem to have had while you were in the hospital and, and, um, going through all that. Um, the main part was getting closer with my family because when you're a workaholic, you kind of tune everyone out and you focus, um, on what you want to do and how you want to do it. And, uh, seeing the love and, um, support from my family down to people I haven't seen for years. Um, coming in and surprising me. I had people come in that it was so funny because um, I had uh, this rapper whose music video I did. He covered in tattoos, face tattoos, his girlfriend's, you know, very eccentric looking. And my old Russian Jewish parents are sitting there and he <laughs> walks in uh, all covered in tattoos, all crazy looking in his, in his girlfriend. And I was sitting there watching this. I'm going, look how cool this is. You got my family, my parents right here who are like these old fashioned old Russian Jews. And now you have this guy, you know, and, and his girlfriend. Um, so in, in that way, it, it, it was, um, it was one of the things that, that gave me hope that this is what I should be doing. I should, I should get closer with people that I've lost touch with. Um, Mm. and, and start worrying about the more important things, which would be family, um, and, and health. And uh, what I did was once I got out of the hospital, I was, I was, I had to stay with my parents because I couldn't walk. And, um, I started doing DDP yoga. Um, I always heard about it. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I was doing, I was I've doing heard it of in bed. Stuff. Yeah. I was doing it in bed and uh, cause, cause they have different steps. They have people, uh, steps from you're in bed and you can't walk down to, you know, your, your expert yoga master. Um, so I started doing that yoga in bed and, you know, I've never thought I was going to do yoga, but DDP yoga, it, it doesn't make you feel like you're doing yoga with a bunch of milfs, you know, yeah. um, you're actually <laughs> do, doing it with, with a wrestler who's tough, you know? And, yeah. um, so I started doing that and, um, 
uh, eventually when I, I started walking with a walker, I started doing stuff where I would sit up and I lost 70 pounds through that mm. process doing the yoga. And, and, the, the, and obviously living with your parents, they feed you the right foods, you know, because you don't yeah. have a choice. You're upstairs, yeah. you can't walk. And so you get the right foods in your system and uh, you're doing um, these exercises. So um, it made me really focus on what's important. And, you know, and, and like I think I told you guys earlier is that this year has been a little tougher. So it's hard to stay on the regimen. But recently I'm just like, I need to get back on this regimen because mm. one, it's important. Two, it's also motivating because when you start seeing results, yeah. um, that is so important because if you don't see results, you could, you could go be down on yourself. Um, and what kept me going back then was like, Oh, Hey, I could do a certain amount of pushups now, or I could do uh plank for so many seconds and, and things like that. So, um, it, I, it just kind of made me focus to what yeah. was yeah. more for, important than just being an artist. For people who don't know, DDP yoga is a yoga um, regiment that was started by Diamond Dallas Page. Diamond who, Dallas Page. Yeah, who is, uh, I mean, we grew up We grew up praising that man, uh, now a retired wrestler and uh, yoga guru. I first heard of uh, DDP yoga. There was so... so con- background on Jer- Jeremy and I and Brian, who's not here with us now, is uh, we're all yoga teachers. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and, and, uh, there was this documentary, um, that, uh, was like really popular in the yoga community. It was called, uh, uh, it was called Enlight- enlighten up. And it was this, yeah. it was this writer. Um, uh, he was like a, he was like a freelance columnist, um, in New York and he wanted to, he, he answered an ad for somebody to, do yoga like I think it was like every day for a year and be a part of this documentary where they go to uh they go and they explore like every lane of yoga all over the world. And he goes to India and he goes to all these different teachers all over the US and Europe and all this thing, all these things. And one of the people that they go and see is is DDP. Mm-hmm. And they go to take his class and everything. And oh my God. And and it was like, and I mean and 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 just like the totally like the total varying of styles. I mean, it, yeah. was, it was about the different styles of yoga all over the world. And then like, you know, the, the, like the one that sticks out as this like totally eccentric wild yeah. yoga is the one with DDP and he's got the move with the, with the triangle and yeah. everything. Oh my God. But I, so I, I, I feel like I, I recall that. And it's the, a diamond, the guy, by the way, it's a diamond. The, it, yeah. Yeah. The guy had, uh, the guy had, the guy couldn't walk. Like he had, he had canes in that, both arms. That was a viral video. Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, right. That was like separate from that. Yes. That went uh, viral because it was this guy. He had yeah. been injured. He had had knee injuries and stuff and he was, he, he was severely overweight he, he lost the, he, yeah. he lost a ton of weight and he got super strong yeah. and he was doing headstands and everything. yeah it's crazy so yeah. amazing um uh slava uh, what's your what's your podcast um it's called two russians one podcast uh it's my it's myself and uh yes. my fiance misha montana um it's funny because originally i started by myself and then when misha and i got together we're like well let's just do it together and we called it two russians one podcast and our youtube is called two russians one america and then this whole thing happened with Russia. Mm-hmm. And we debated like, well, what are we going to do? You know, I, I was really worried about it because of because people just jump to conclusions and um, and uh, judge. And uh, so we debated changing the name. They were like, no, we're going to keep keep it because I was born in Russia. I'm a proud Russian. She her. She's half Russian. She's proud, half Russian. Um, and Russian people don't have anything to do with 
what's happening there. It's, it's yeah. the yeah. politics. Um, I think so that's a good it, idea. You know, and, and that's, yeah, you know, because to us, it's like, why, why are we going to conform to something that we're, we're proud of this and we're proud of what we are and who we are. And um, so our podcast is, kind of goes all over the place. We talk about our daily, we do it once a week. We talk about our sets. We talk about our daily lives. Our lives are, are insane because uh, as you guys brought up, you know, she had a stroke. She had mm. heart surgery. Her son has cerebral palsy. Mm. Um, there's there's so much that we share uh, on the podcast and on our YouTube channel. Uh, we're involved with this wrestling thing, and so we talk about all of it. We we uh, we we don't we have guests once in a while, but it's usually just us two ranting. Usually when we're driving to the airport or uh, something like that, and we'll get on these rants, and then sometimes we're like, okay, we well, probably should edit this out before it goes up. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. But uh, because we're both very sassy, and uh, if I yeah. pop a five hour and she drinks some coffee, it, it's it, you know, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Who knows? All, all PC in. goes out the window. <laughs> I pop right, a five hour, right. yeah. the five hour energy, the five hour energy drink. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. yes, yeah. That's my drug of choice. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, Slava, Ed, this has been a real treat to uh, to be able to talk with you. Before we wrap it up, there's one question that we like to ask most of our guests, and it's a two parter. Uh, the first part is. What would you say is the biggest thing that your experience with diabetes has taken away from you? Oh, man. Um, um, comfort. Um, because sometimes at night it's hard to fall asleep because of the nerve pain mm. in your feet. Um, when my diabetes was really bad, I literally, and I'm sure people who are listening who have diabetes can relate, the pain is so bad you can't even put a blanket over your feet. It feels like somebody's sticking razors across your feet. Mm. Um so the comfort level, there's never really a comfort level when it comes to your uh, feet or legs, knees down. It always feels like you have really tight socks on. Even if you don't have socks on at all, it feels like um, your your skin's always very tight. Um, and it's from just, you know, the issues of uh, having uh, really bad circulation in your mm. feet. And, and, and eyes, you know, um, my eye, my vision has gotten a lot worse. Um, one had to do with the, the the steroids they were feeding me in the hospital to to kill the 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 infections I had which affected my eyes and affected uh, my hair hair loss mm. but um, that I don't care I, I always wear hats anyways but um, the comfort of of my legs and feet is the biggest for sure mm. what would you say is the biggest thing that it's given you um, it's a reality check you know um, <laughs> yeah. that a lot of people I think um, take for granted. Um, the hospital stay was a reality check with diabetes. It's a reality check daily that you need to stay on top of it because I have experienced the worst part of it almost obviously besides death. Um, so it's reality check. Also, um, the bond with other people, it's kind of like people that go sober, you know, they have a bond with people that are sober. Same goes with people with diabetes. You know, I'm sure other, uh, you know, with with other diseases, is that um, you have a bond. Like I have a few friends who are really happy when they're, you know, they drop their A1C or they reverse their diabetes or whatever it may be. Um, so definitely a reality check that we're none of us are immune to anything. So. Mm. Well, uh, Slava, this is, it's been a real treat to sit down and chat with you, dude. Uh, very, very fun. We, we thank you for taking time out of your schedule to sit down with us and give us some insight into your life and the things that you've been through. Um, uh, good luck. Good luck in Jersey, uh, with this upcoming wrestling event. I, I, it, I mean, right up my alley. I'm, I'm so, so stoked for you guys. I, I think it's going to be, uh, sounds like it's going to be a really great time. Um, and, uh, and again, on, on behalf of myself, Taylor and all of our, our listeners, thank you. 
Thank you. This was great. This was, uh, it's it's fun to actually do a podcast where I could talk about real life stuff you know, in real life situations <laughs> yeah. because yeah. most of them are just like, so who did you shoot taking what and what hole? Oh, God, again. <laughs> hey, you know? that's real life for some. <laughs> that's what, 100%. I mean, that's as real as life can get sometimes, and you it, know? And it pays my bills, so. <laughs> that's right. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Thank you so much. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-host by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.